Hey, everybody, welcome to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, today, Luke Coppa and I are going to offer some initial thoughts on the new Vocal Mantra M6 and the Vocal Secret 96. Uh, and then, and this is really the true highlight of the episode, we are going to introduce you to Blister reviewer Drew Kelly, a.k.a. The Hulk, a.k.a. King Kong. The guy goes by many names. Anyway, Drew is making his Gear 30 debut to compare the Vocal Katana 108 versus the Head Monster 108 versus the Blizzard Cochise 106. And we're just going to start getting, you know, King Kong's impressions on some of these earlier chargers. From there, Luke discusses some of the movement skis he's been getting time on recently. And of course, there's always more than what we say in these intros. And uh, this is a fun one. And you get to meet Drew. Today's episode is presented by our blister recommended shop, the Skiers Sports Shop, which is located in Edmonton in Alberta, Canada. The Skiers Sports Shop is Edmonton's original ski shop, and it opened back in 1963, and there is a ton of history. And, as you might expect, there is a ton of history in the store. While they've been around a long time, this shop keeps things pretty fresh. They specialize in free ride, big mountain, and park skiing, and they carry a really interesting mix of ski brands and clothing, from companies like Moment, Icelandic, K2, Black Crows, Line, Faction, Armada, and clothing from the likes of Arcteryx, Patagonia, Orage, Armada, L1, and the North Face. And you can check out for yourselves some of the different brands that the Skiers Sports Shop carries by visiting their website, skierssportshop.com. And in addition to carrying a really nice selection of hard goods and soft goods, the Skiers Sports Shop also really prides themselves on offering professional advice and doing good work in ski tuning and boot fitting. So, you know, they've got you pretty covered. So if you are going to be heading to the Edmonton area, you should definitely stop in at the Skiers Sports Shop. And you can also check them out online. And they do also deliver within North America. Just head over to skierssportshop.com. And now, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Luke Kappa and Drew Kelly. All right, well, here we are, back in Blister headquarters with good old Luke Kappa, but also Drew Kelly making his Blister podcast of any specific Blister podcast varietal debut. Drew welcome thank you thank you for having me i feel not nervous at all (laughs) we'll be gentle um yeah we're excited to have drew on it's overdue we will have a reviewing the reviewer dedicated drew episode coming down the line which means i'm not going to make that much fun of him right now because i you know, I'll save some of that, you know, for the whole dedicated episode. Uh, but some of you may know the name Drew Kelly because in a number of my reviews, I do things like call him stupid. 
because he carves really well and really hard and it you know makes me jealous i think i've also maybe referred to you as the incredible hulk which is weird because you're not necessarily like a super big dude you just ski like one thank you i mean <laughs> this is radio so people could believe that i'm a, I'm a big dude <laughs> but your your favorite ski though is the head monster 108 which Luke, as I recall, when we did our What Skis Would Various Superheroes Ski, I believe we gave the Monster 108 to the Incredible Hulk. That's correct. So see it all. Maybe this is just like the Bruce Banner. Huh, I never really thought about if you, this. If, you're, if you ski powder with Drew, I feel like not the Incredible Hulk. Oh, that's but, true. But certain, like, you yell a lot <laughs> in a very positive manner though. It's sort of I'm a like, screamer. It's yeah. A, yeah, it's a little bit like middle school girl, very excited. Yeah, he's the most exuberant backcountry pow skier I've ever skied with. So you're right. I thank you for bringing that up. It's like when you ski inbounds with Drew, you feel like he is murdering the mountain. But then when you ski backcountry with Drew, it's like this lovely little middle school girl that we <laughs> <laughs> we've come ski pow with it's, it's a bit of a stretch but <laughs> it's uh it's pretty good anyway the other the other claim to fame at least you know for me and i think i've mentioned this on a different podcast before rob dickinson has declared drew to have the best turn in all of crested butte i mean <laughs> what level of nirvana <laughs> does a person reach when they get Something like that said about them. I don't. I don't even know. A place where people only do hop turns. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the bar is low there. To be clear. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Um, anyway, Drew, it's good to have you here. Um, we just had a good time out, the three of us, banging out some laps, and uh, we wanted to just talk about a couple, actually, just three things. We'll see if we keep ourselves to these three, but some of the big news there was a new vocal mantra that was sort of unveiled today and that's a ski that i don't know probably for quite some time going forward is going to uh be a bit newsworthy so luke talk to us a little bit about um what vocal is saying about the m6 yeah so there's three main updates that are coming in the form of the M6 mantra and the Secret 96, which is the women's version, but it's essentially the same ski with different top sheets, different available lengths. The main thing that they're emphasizing is that they basically have more ability to tailor the ski and specific lengths of the ski to basically how they want. So first off, the Tietnell frame that was uh, introduced with the M5 mantra, it's back, but the basically the longer lengths have a bit more Tietnell in the forebody of the ski, the shorter lengths have less, with the idea being that a 191 is going to feel to someone who would warrant a 191, like a larger individual, feel pretty similar as a 170 centimeter length would feel like to a smaller individual. It's trying to keep the performance consistent across the lengths. Um, they also added a tiny little slit in the Tietnell plate that's under the bindings to make it a little bit less torsionally rigid um, to make it easier to initiate turns. Seems pretty minor. Um, they introduced what they're calling tailored carbon tip, which is essentially they have... Uh, 
they've come up with a way to embroider carbon uh, fiber strands however they want onto like a fleece backer um, so that they can change the direction of these individual strands depending on where they are um, and make it more torsionally rigid or longitudinally rigid in certain areas and less so in other areas. Um, it's somewhat similar to what we saw from K2 with their spectral braid, but that on the K2 skis was a full sh um, kind of full length uh, carbon laminate that was in, um, it was kind of like a braid and they varied the angle of the braid throughout the length of the ski. Um, on the M6 mantra in the secret 96, the carbon is just in the tip and it seems a lot more complex. Um, but again, just a way for them to fine tune the characteristics a little bit more than with traditional carbon fiber. And third, it gets vocals 3d radius, which they've been introducing on pretty much every free ride ski over the past few years. Um, so not much of a surprise there. It's a blend of a longer radius in the front short radius in the middle and longer radius in the tail. The idea being you can make a wider variety of turn shapes more easily. And while we never really attribute an overall ski performance to one thing, we do know that the Mantra 102, the Blaze 106, and the Katana 108, all of which feature some form of 3D radius, they seem pretty versatile in terms of turn shapes. I like how they carve. I like that they're not super hooky. So those are the main updates. Um, those two skis are going to be going to have limited availability this year at select retailers and then the full launch next year. And we should be getting on them hopefully soon. I think this is definitely the first time I've ever heard the term embroidered used with a ski. So basically all I really heard you say is that Vocal is now putting outerwear in their skis. Yeah, it's not even close, but um, stitches can be used for things other than clothing. Essentially, they're stitching the carbon fiber strands to a sheet. Um, just a way to keep them in a certain orientation before the ski is like laid up and pressed, um, rather than like hand laying them and making it super inconsistent. So yeah, that's the idea. So there, there isn't outerwear in their skis. No, it's more of a I mid layer. Mean, it's, it's the same thing as like, if you want to call a sheet of fiberglass outerwear, like never been tempted to the do same that. Thing. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for clarifying Luke. Um, so we haven't been on them yet. But if you had to wager $1,000 on whether the M6 feels and performs quite similar to the M5 or remarkably different, where are you putting your grand? I'm guessing it's going to feel very similar. Um, the When we were on a call with the people from Vocal, they weren't talking about how the ski is totally different. It sounded more like it's now just going to be more consistent for a wider variety of people. Um, I like the dimensions have barely changed at all. The rocker profile has not changed. The overall construction is pretty similar. So, and the good news is like, we liked the M5 mantra a lot. Um, so I think it will perform similarly. Maybe it'll be a little bit more versatile off piece because of that 3d radius or the new construction who knows but yeah i'm guessing it'll feel similar i'm guessing it'll feel pretty similar to the montrono 2 um which is all good news in my mind would you say that the m6 will probably be the greatest all mountain ski for every skier of all abilities everywhere on earth no i would not oh okay that's just a bit of an inside joke except for the people who actually wrote something like that, then that's just kind of sad. We'll move on now. Drew Kelly. 
Yes. Speaking of vocal, you just skied the Vocal Katana 108, as I have been doing recently, and as Luke maybe was like the first of us to ski it a while ago. Well, you hauled it uphill last spring. I was the first? Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't know if you'd gotten on it before then, but yeah. Yeah. Last spring when I was <laughs> touring up in the Daymaker with the Katana 108, definitely the lightest touring setup I've ever been on. But I, you know, again, as we said, the Head Monster 108 is a ski that you get along with really well. And so I was just a bit curious to hear you talk about initial, and we will clarify, these are some initial impressions of yours about the Katana 108. Yes, yeah, so I, I do think I need to get, spend some more time on the Katana 108. My initial impressions though are the Katana 108 is objectively just more fun than the Monster 108. And I'm not necessarily a skier that likes fun all the time. No. Um, yeah, I would describe your skiing style as someone who hates fun, <laughs> unless it's backcountry pow, and then you, it's the most fun, aka middle school girl. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Totally fair. Yeah, the Katana 108 to me just felt like it was a much more lively ski than the Monster 108. It comes it comes alive at lower speeds. Um, that smaller turn radius around that 19 meter, I believe, turn radius. I think that's what they call it underfoot. And yeah. it has that 3D radius. So like the tip is like 30 something apparently. But yeah, it's apparently pretty tight underfoot. Exactly. And I think for me that, that served me in certain situations wonderfully it was super fun at low speeds or on flatter terrain in the bumps i think that made it more easily pivotable but at the same time when you start to pick up speed i think that i noticed that shorter turn radius when you uh gain speed can sometimes work against you it can make the ski uh really too too lively it it wants to come out from under you and can sometimes make it feel unpredictable and in where it shoots you I found in the bumps, especially, it would either shoot me, you know, three feet to the right when I expected to go three feet straight over a bump, or it would kind of deflect off a bump almost. And on groomers at higher speeds, it, it felt like it was occasionally chattery, um, unexpectedly though, in, in weird places. Please, everyone listening to this, keep in mind that our reference ski here is the Head Monster 108, which is probably the stiffest, like, 108 underfoot ski we have ever reviewed. Uh, I mean, a lot of skis have pretty stiff tails. The That monster just stays consistently stiff through the whole thing, which I actually think is a cool feature of it. I like, I've always said, I like that consistency of a flex pattern. But when Drew is talking about how lively the Katana 108 is, keep in mind the reference point here. Yeah, and, it's, it's a two by four <laughs> feeling ski. You put yeah. it on edge and it holds that edge until you force it to do something else. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, my experience <laughs> with the Katana 108 is a little different. Um, I like playful skis with twin tips. And while I ski a lot of directional skis, like the Katana is not normally what I would buy. And to me, in bumps, 
like for, for, I think it's I think it's worth saying that at the top of Jokerville today, Drew is talking about how gapping moguls is <laughs> is a good approach because one you miss the rocks, and two I, I said that you only have to ski half as many moguls. So that's kind of <laughs> how Drew approaches moguls yeah. on skis like the monster one away in the katana. Yeah. Um. So anyways, I find that ski, I, like I, it feels like it wants to stay planted and just kind of casually ski through bumps with my skiing style like it's pretty heavy um and i'm not skiing super heavy long skis all the time but i do think it is interesting with that radius like it is fairly tight underfoot and just looking at the ski like it's got fat tips and tails so i think it carves really well for me but i could see someone who's really bending used to bending really stiff skis that's an interesting kind of aspect of that design but when i was skiing it it was i think it was mostly like soft chop days when international had just opened and felt very very composed to me and surprisingly easy i think i was skiing the j skis hot shot the same day and the j skis the hot shot will definitely let you get away with like sloppier backseat slashes and stuff like that but my takeaway was especially in more open terrain it's a surprisingly accessible ski but still nice and damp yeah yeah i would agree with that i think First of all, I love that basically our whole mission, Luke, is to like provide proper context for people to understand Drew. Like we love Drew, but it does feel a little bit like King Kong is weighing in (laughs) on skis and we just have to be like, now people, just keep in mind, you know, it's a big angry monkey. You know, the analogies are just all over the place. I'm I'm killing it on the analogies right now. Yeah, I think especially for, you know, like, look, we tend to ski a lot of moguls around here. And and I think that if you are at a mountain where you just don't ski moguls that often or you have access to plenty big open faces of relatively smooth or just not firm mogul terrain i i actually think that's when i would be more and more willing to talk about the relative ease of a ski that is this sort of overall substantial weighs as much as this one you know it's got big tips and tails so the swing weight is pretty heavy mm-hmm. but if you're taking like messed up moguls out of the equation i i that's where you know as just a normal human being <laughs> i would be more willing to talk about the accessibility the easiness at low speeds and i think you still get a pretty nice top end given all of that i agree with that king kong agrees yeah and it's it's funny though it did make me think of the argument that started because sam shaheen called the montrono too energetic no he called it quick well yeah he called it quick referring to the energy it produced so he's in agreement with you i think um, Sam's definitely not being Sam's definitely not the Incredible Hulk though. No. I've seen him ski. I think he's the Incredible Hulk. He's he's a very very good bump skier. He's yeah. a very good bump skier. Yeah. But I'm trying to think of a mean analogy right now for <laughs> Sam. I'm I used them all I up miss. already. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm tapped by nothing's left in the clip. Um anyway, and last thought on this. Have you spent much time yet on the like current slash newish coaches? Yes. Do you want to give again we'll we'll let you off the hook and call this sort of an initial impression but initial impression of Katana 108 versus the Cochise. My initial impression of the Katana 108 versus the versus the Cochise is that 
um, for someone that enjoys spending more time on groomers or um, at higher speeds, I think the Katana 108 is going to be a little more enjoyable to ski. Whereas someone who really likes to hack their way through the steeps or tight stuff or spend the rest of their time in bumps, I think the Cochise would be a better option. I think that makes sense. I I still haven't skied that Cochise 106 yet. But, I mean, just looking at the shapes of them and the Katana just being heavier overall seems to make sense to me. Yeah, I definitely, the the Cochise definitely feels quicker to me. I think, though, you just described me as somebody who likes to hack his way through (laughs) steeps, though, since I think, like I said, big open faces, I think that Katana, I I would take, honestly, either of the skis, um, the Katana or the Cochise, but where I think that really they start to separate themselves for me is that if we're going to go ski messed up moguls in weird tight spots, I think I'll... I like the swing weight and maneuverability of that Cochise, even though that Katana does pivot well. Yeah, it does. Yeah, they, for me, they're more separate on hard snow performance. Yeah, the Katana has a lot of, because of that really small turn radius, it has a lot of like rebound and snap to it. Whereas the Cochise to me feels like it doesn't really have a lot of life to it. It, it's, it holds an edge great, but it, it's, pretty uh dead feeling to me like it just stays on that edge and you kind of have to really work to bend the ski and initiate another turn out of it yeah i can see that coaches is i mean it's not a drastically tapered ski but like it that the katana and the mantra 102 both kind of look like fat carving skis like it's i feel like it's pretty easy to get engagement from their big shovels okay good thoughts drew by the way, you have an amazing podcast voice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're like, I've never been on a podcast. What if what if I have a terrible voice? I'm like, this guy should be like a late night radio DJ. <laughs> or just the host of this podcast. <laughs> or maybe take over as the host of this podcast. Blister Home Companion. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that makes you sound like you're like 70 years old. But, um, well, I am. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> oh, hard. yeah. We failed to mention... <laughs> We failed to mention Drew is also <laughs> 72. Not include any pictures. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. We're going to wrap this up by talking about movement skis. Luke, the floor is yours. Yeah. So last is either like late, late spring or early summer. Um, we got three skis from movement and this is the first time I believe any of our reviewers have been on their stuff. And they vary a lot. So we have the Alptrax 106, which is, I think, the lightest 106 underfoot ski we've ever reviewed. It's extremely light for its size. We have the Fly 2 115, which is their freestyle POW ski. And then we have the Go 106 Ti, which is like a lightweight Tetanol laminate directional freeride ski. And mostly I've just been very pleasantly surprised by all of them like every every time we review skis from a new company i get a little worried um and movement's a much larger company than some of like the indies we review but um yeah that alp tracks i think especially if you're someone who likes to get a lot of laps in and you mostly search out soft snow and pow it offers a lot to like i the first day i skied it was um when we 
when we went back in Rustler's Gulch and did like, I don't know how long that day was when we did like the ridge walking. Oh, this summer. Um, yeah. Not Red the, Lady Bull. No, no. This is midsummer skiing. So pretty awful conditions. <laughs> but for being one of the lightest skis I was on all of last year, I thought it handled that relatively well. Um, like it was pretty predictable. The flex pattern is not crazy stiff, which I like in a ski that light. And it was pretty maneuverable. And I think, unfortunately, the backcountry conditions this year have been basically terrifying and yeah. not great. But I'm hoping to get it into some softer snow soon. But yeah, overall, I think it performs quite well for its extremely low weight and would make a pretty fun POW touring ski, especially if you want a light setup. The Fly T115 overall just strikes me as a very, very solid all-around freestyle POW ski. It's not super light, so it it can be skied quite hard. Pretty nice suspension carves pretty well for how wide it is, but like skis switch well, feels really balanced, pretty loose and pow. Mostly it's reminded me of the vocal revolt 121, but you can drive the the movement, the fly two one fifteen a little bit harder through the shovels if you want, if you mount it back a little bit. Maybe not quite as loose as that revolt, but just one of those skis that was like got on it, had a good time, didn't need wasn't doing anything weird, right up my alley basically. And then the Go 106 Ti, so far is reminding me of the old uh, lighter Solomon QST 106. The 186 centimeter Go T- Go 106 Ti has a weight around 1,900 grams is what our pair came in. So it is quite light, but I've just been skiing in the resort. And while it's not the smoothest, most stable ski out there, it feels really nice for how light it is. I think it'd make a great 50-50 ski for directional skiers who appreciate a ski with a fairly strong tail like it's not going to let you get super lazy in bumps but it feels so quick and it has a slightly more tapered shovel that i feel just like lets you pivot it through bumps and stuff if you're staying on the on the front of it um pretty lively um overall just really fun directional ski and yeah i think if someone was to put a, a shifter a duke pt or the cast binding on it make a pretty solid 50 50 option or just like a off-piste steeps relatively soft snow ski i'd I'd like it a lot good little synopsis there luke thanks you're gonna go skin now you and eric friesen are gonna go do a little walking uphill okay we'll let you go do that drew you did it congrats you survived your first podcast barely barely we're gonna start blister home companion now Apparently, you have your own show. Way to, <laughs> way to, way to, way to create new opportunities for yourself. I like that. Take advantage of your opportunities. Um, and uh, I think that's a wrap here from Blister HQ. So we'll see you guys real soon. And everybody listening, take care. All Bye. Right. Okay, it's time for this week's edition of what we're celebrating. And man, we were so happy to sort of escape 2020 and 2021 wasn't having any of it yet it does not look like 2021 is trying to be the forgotten year you know standing next to 2020 you all know what's going on in america right now some truly truly depressing things and honestly some extremely exciting things too i don't think i need to rehash all of those things for you But what I do want to say and what I want to celebrate here is that honestly, I still am feeling really optimistic about this coming year. And I'm going to be raising a glass this evening to celebrate what is to come 
you know, just as a bit of a reminder that each of us just need to go and do our part, right? I'm also going to celebrate the fact that the Blister Summit is getting closer and closer here. Stay tuned for more details on this very soon. We're excited about how this is coming together. And um, that's definitely going to warrant a glass of whiskey later tonight. Finally, the last thing I'm celebrating, once again, this is a good time perhaps for some of us to, you know, just remind ourselves of this. Here's to friendship. And here's to friendship and whiskey tastings, uh, which I'm going to be doing a bit later this evening. Just a couple friends are coming over and we're breaking out the real good stuff tonight. And so, you know... I'm going to be raising a glass of my Whistlepig 15-year rye whiskey, and I think they're going to be bringing over a couple interesting options as well. And here's to raising a glass with good friends. And that, my friends, brings us to the end of this episode of Gear 30. And if you are enjoying these conversations, then be sure to subscribe to Gear 30 and also leave us that little five-star rating in iTunes and tell your friends about the show. I also want to say thanks to Luke and Drew for the fun conversation. I also want to say thanks to the Skiers Sports Shop for presenting this episode. And again, you can head over to skiersportshop.com to see what they got going on over there. Now, of course, I also want to say thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, Colorado, Please take good care of yourself and everybody else, and we will talk to you again real soon.